0: Is base. So we're discussing the argument between Rebbe Huda and Reb Shimon, and the question is: To what extent do we take Muksa? So Rebbe Huda is pretty much the easier one to understand in terms of getting the principles, because he's generally more machmir, and his view is: Unless something is actively designated then it would be Muksa. If you want to use something on Shabbos or Yom Tov, it has to be designated for use. Anything that's to be used for something else, not for your purposes on Shabbos and Yom Tov, it's Muksa. Reb Shimon, he's the, more, he's the one who's more complicated, or not complicated, but he needs to be defined further because he's much more lenient with Muksa, but in certain cases he does agree with Muksa. So let's say we it's saw... You you. Sorry? Or new Yeah. Yeah. So let's say the case which we saw yesterday. If someone puts these figs or grapes onto the roof to dry out, their ripshemen would hold its muksa because of two points. You did something to actively the Lashen is it to undesignate it. You're putting it on the roof that shows intent you're not eating. And also, as it dries out, it becomes inedible. That's one of the examples where Reb Shimon would agree with the concept of Muqsa, or would hold something, is Muksa. So says the Gemara. So up to Mem Hayam, base, about halfway down. So Amar Rabba Bachana, Amar Reb So Amar they said, Halakhach Reb Shimon, the Halacha follows Reb Shimon. So Rabbi is saying, they said the Halacha follows Reb Shimon. So asked the Gemara, "What does Rabbi Yehudah say?" For by mine eyes, he saw a croya. For Amrila either an elderly man from this place, Suroya, or they called this person Suroya because he was from that place. So Rabbi asked. They asked a question. So, kinah shatangailas, ma'ol le'taltule b'shabes. If you have a chicken coop. What's the halach in terms of moving it on Shabbos? So Amaleh, Sir Rabi Aykhan said, Klum is the chicken coop. The whole function of the chicken coop is only for the chicken. Now a chicken on Shabbos is muksa because there's nothing you could do with it. And therefore he says, because the chicken coop is designated for the chicken, therefore it would be Muqsa so we see here, Reb Yochanan like Reb Shimon. That's what they said. But yet on the other hand, he says this chicken coop is Muksa. So says the Gemara, "Hachbe Mayoskinon, de ispeyef So the so the Gemara's answer is that the chicken coop has a dead chick in it, and therefore dead chick in it even Reb Shimon would agree it would be Muqsa, and therefore the chicken coop would be Muqsa. So asked the Gemara, this is actually a point of argument. In other words, would Reb Shimon concede that a dead animal is muksa?" Now remember, is there use for dead animal on Shabbos? There is a use, because you could give it to your animals. You could give it to your dogs or whatever animal there has. So there's actually an argument in how we understand Reb Shimon. In other words, one viewpoint is, if that animal was anyway quite ill before Shabbos, in which case a person had to, in his within his das that there's a possibility this animal would die on Shabbos and it would be available to use for, for his dog, therefore Reb Shimon says such a case, it wouldn't be muksa. Why? Because he was anticipating. But if his perfectly healthy cow just dropped dead in the midst of Shabbos and that was a complete surprise, one viewpoint says Reb Shimon would agree. In such a case, it would be muksa, even though now there's a use for it, because as of now there's nothing you could do with it. Whereas another version says even a dead animal, where there was it, it didn't give you any indication it was going to die before Shabbos came in, Reb Shimon would still be lenient and say, look, now it's dead, give it to your animals. So there's two different opinions to what extent Reb Shimon is lenient when it comes to a dead animal. So says the Gemara, so we're trying to explain this chicken coop has a dead chick in it and therefore that's why it would be, even Reb Shimon would agree it's muksa. So says the Gemara, so Reb Shimon agrees with a live animal that dies that it would be forbidden. Whereas according to Reb Yosef who says even if the animal drops dead, it still won't be Muksa. And therefore, why did Rabbi Yekhanen? on one hand, he seems to pass like Rib Shimon, on the other hand, he seems to disregard Reb Shimon's psaq because he says the chicken coop is Muksa. You can't say because there's a dead chicken in it, and Reb Shimon would agree there's Muksa, because according to this viewpoint, even if there's a dead chicken in it, it would still be Muksa. So says the Gemara, here we're talking about where there's an egg and there's an and the problem is because of Nihilat. So Nihilat is a big sugya in baysa. So the idea of Nihilat is again, they're very broad terminologies to say something as a Nihilat. A Nihilat is something which is a new entity. So say a chicken lays an egg, could be considered a Because it's something which is new. And again, there's various different levels to what extent would we call something nilat. Because a chicken, an egg, sorry, a chicken laying an egg, the egg isn't really a new entity. It was always within the mother. So even within nylet itself, what would we call nilat? You could view it as something that's a new entity. Or you could argue the egg was already inside the chicken Therefore, it not isn't even a nylid? I'm just bringing out this point, just because the term nylid itself is very broad, and there's very di- and there's many different opinions. To what extent would we call something nylid? So we had a discussion. Sorry, it's, go on. You're going to say something. I was just going to say the term Nylod, um means to be born, born and, yeah. and therefore it, it fundamentally
1: includes cases which where the thing existed before but somewhere else. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not. Nylons no,
0: would, would, by that definition, mean newly accessible. You couldn't get at it before. Now you can. That that would be one way of looking at it. That's what I'm saying. The term Nilad itself. There's many different.
1: Well, what I'm saying is, if it'd been a new object, then I suppose it would be called nivra.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what would be the use of the word Nilad according to. Say so even, even Reb Shimon would agree that's if there's, if when Shabbos came in, it was a beautiful blue sky, then halfway through Shabbos, then clouds came and then it rained, those, that rain would be considered a nightlet. That's a big Sogium Bates and Erevin. Where something which was always there might not be considered a nightlet. But I'm just bringing out the issue because it's a very broad principle. So say we had with a vessel. If a vessel smashes into pieces, on Yom Tov, because I use some of those shards, to use it for, to contain oil for a lamp. Again, there's an argument, do we consider it nylon? On one hand, this piece is somewhat a new entity. On the other hand, it was always there, just in the form of the cleat. It's exactly how we apply it. There's many different opinions. But the Gemara here isn't really going to the technicalities of nylon. The Gemara is just saying, we're trying to understand, according to Reb Shimon, who's more lenient with Moksha, why would Reb forbid a chicken coop if he holds like Reb Shimon? So the Gemara at this stage is saying even Reb Shimon would hold off Nilad, And we're currently considering an egg being born, as Yitz is advocating that's the word Nilad, it would be Moksa. And therefore that's why the chicken coop was Moksa according to Reb Shimon. So ask the Gemara. And Amr of "Man de muksa, isle naylad? De lessle muksa, lessle As Alex will know, this is in the Sugyim Beitzah, that the one who holds off muksa holds off naylad. If you disregard muksa, then you disregard naylad. So naylad, according to Reb Nachman, is only if you hold off muksa. Like Reb Yehuda, if you're more lenient with muksa, like Reb Shimon, then we don't hold off naylad. In which case, we're back to square one. We want to understand. Rabbi Aykhanen holds like Rabbi Shimon, who's much more lenient when it comes to muksa. Therefore, why did Rabbi Aykhanen forbid moving a chicken coop? If you want to say the chicken coop is forbidden because there's an egg inside, and an egg would be considered a Nilad, it's a new entity. Rabbi Nachman BaYitzchak says the two go in hand together. If you hold of muksa, you hold of Nilad. If you don't hold of muksa, you don't hold of Nilad. And therefore, according to Reb Shimon, an egg would be permitted. So says the Gemara, so says the Gemara, so the Gemara says here you're not talking about just a laid egg, it's a laid egg which already has a chick inside it. In which case, then there's nothing you could do because you can't eat the chick, it's muks, it's in the and therefore, if an egg has a chick inside it, then according to everyone, it would be forbidden.
1: Going back to the just the chick before, yeah. um, it's not a dead chick, and a nilod no as well. Before it was a chick, and now it's a dead chick.
0: That's what I'm saying. To what extent would we define nilid? In other words, it was always there. It just it has a new...
1: New status?
0: Well, would that be considered nilid? If are
1: saying that about the egg, I suppose the egg is less... was, was inside something. Was, yeah. Was
0: a, yeah. Yeah. No, it's arguable. That's why... The, that's why I'm saying the term "nilot" you could really really... Yeah. Well, the problem would be then that the previous... Um, the previous case was just as good. It would be hard to see why it, the egg added anything. Yeah. If, if the dead chick was nilot as well. Yeah, so no, so I, we're saying a dead chick isn't nilot. Is not Is not nilot. Right. There's a separate problem you didn't have... you weren't thinking about it before Shabbos. That's the discussion to what extent would a person have to be aware but the point is an egg with a chick inside of it therefore because it has the peel and the shell even a dog won't go near it and therefore when it comes to just a regular dead chick then there's a discussion I could use it for my animals whereas if it's already inside the egg then even a dog won't go near it how do you know? that's what Rashi says yeah right maybe if he has a snake then some snakes eat eggs, but the presumption is mez. It would be muksa. So kiyas rabbiyos like Rabbi Yosef, am Rabbi Yechanan, halach like Here we have a different saying. Here we say Rabbi Yechanan held like Rabbi Hoda. So va'am Rabbi Yosef, heinah to amar Rabba ba'chana amar Rabbi So the previous quotes where we said Rabbi Yechanan holds like Rabbi Shimon. Was that it says Rabbi Yechanan Amru Halacha Kereb Shimon. Rabbi Yechanan they said the Halacha follows like Kereb Shimon. Amru they said Velelai Seviralei. So the Gemara's point is we're being Medoyuk from Rabbi Yechanan. When we said before Rabbi Yechanan said the Halacha is like Kereb Shimon. It wasn't that Amru Rabbi Yechanan Halacha Kereb Shimon. It was Amru Rabbi Amru they said Halacha Kereb Shimon. In other words, that implies Omru for Lalo severely they said, but he doesn't hold off it. so we've completely turned Rebbyhnnan originally, we wanted to say Rebbyajnnan doesn't hold off Muksa like Reb Shimon. Now we're saying no, Rebjoajnnan does hold off Muksa, and the previous quote he was just quoting other people, Omru they said, but him himself not. So for Rabbi and do you not hold that Rabbi holds like Rabbi So Rab-Aba and Rabbi they visited Reb Abba, and Reb Abba was a Talmud of Rabbi And the uh, and. Candelabra fell on the cloak of Reb Abba and he didn't move it directly. He moved it indirectly. Therefore, he didn't want to just lift it up. He moved it in a way that was different. Now, surely, the, why did he move it differently? Because it was Muksa. So we're reading a bit into the scenario. We have a case that a candelabra fell on Rebya, um, Reb Abba, on his cloak. He didn't Ravasi's, want... Was cloak, actually, it Sorry, my bad. Yeah, my bad. Reb Asi.
1: And Reb was a tabid
0: Yeah, my bad. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it fell on Reb Asi, And Reb Asi didn't want to move it. So surely that's because he held off Muksa. And Rabbi Asi's rav was Rabbi and therefore surely he was following his teacher Rabbi in not in holding off Milcah. So Amalei Minata you are saying a case of a candelabra. So Minatashan is fundamentally different. to Asi, Minara Hanateles Achas So if you have a candelabra which could be moved with one hand it's permitted to move it. However, if it's so heavy, you could only lift it up with two hands, then it can't be moved, and it's muksa. Whereas in other words, the only case where you might have one view who might be lenient with moving um, lamps would be Reb Shimon because Reb Shemna is lenient. So, you just ask the question, if it, if it
1: was lit and fell on his cloak, surely it's, it's not
0: quite just a question of saying, okay, well, I can move it or not move it, he's got a huge problem here. Yeah, so the point is, even if it fell on his cloak, you can move it indirectly. But say, again, say it wasn't lit. Oh, it wasn't lit? I'm yes. sorry I thought it was lit. Okay. No, don't worry about it. No, it's, it is confusing because we've been going between just a lamp itself or a lamp with fire. Well then, yeah, then there's more for room to move it. But the point is, he moved. The Rishonim say he moved the button in an indirect way. Okay. So he didn't want to move it directly because of Moxa. So we're saying well, he
1: can still hold
0: like Reb Shimon. Well, no, no, he's saying the most lenient one would be Reb Shimon. I'm not sure if he meant that he held like Reb Shimon. Well, we're trying to prove we we're, we're, we're now dismissing this is this incident as proof that he must hold like rabbi huda yeah so we so we were trying to say this candelabra fell on his cloak and he wouldn't move it
1: which proves that he holds like rabbi huda
0: yeah so the Gemara is saying that now we're saying
1: no maybe not
0: yeah because we're going to say a candelabra was a big candelabra
1: yeah we're suggesting that even rabbi shimon would agree
0: Correct. Yeah. So let's see. This is what we're going through. Av a even Reb Shimon would say. So Reb Yochanan is saying, even Reb Shimon, who's the most lenient, he would say candelabra, and he disagrees with the He says even if it's only mo- it could be moved with one hand, it would still be muktzah. So this is the million dollar question. Why would it be different? In other words, something which is permanent, you hang your candelabra from the ceiling, and that's where it's expected to stay. It's not something which is portable, and you start thinking about, let's say, moving your usual Shabbos candlesticks from one table, from your Shabbos table to somewhere else. A candelabra, it's something which is fixed in place, and that's it. It isn't meant to be moved. And therefore even Reb Shimon would agree, in the case of a candelabra, it would be Muxa. All this happened in Haifa.
1: It happened in Haifa? Yes. Oh,
0: okay, great. Where his house was. And where are you again?
1: Was it Kyriyapyale, buddy John? No, it wasn't It wasn't Kyriyapyale, it was near Haifa.
0: Okay. Very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, we're saying as farah, that something which there's a designated place for it, it isn't moved, then it's muksa. Even according to everyone. This is what Michael was talking about yesterday. A bed pas pers- chasanim, and the point is, it's actually quite literal, the point about this bed is it tapers upwards, to the point where the top doesn't even hold a tefach. So it's almost like a triangular roof. And right at the top a tent. there? Sorry? It
1: looks like a, te- a tent, a ridge tent. Oh sorry.
0: Yeah. So at the top there isn't a tefach. So va'amashmo have So kilas kasanim. If you have this kilas kasanim. Oh great. Last picture of the And we are up yesterday's stuff, gentlemen, so we're getting close. Yeah, please. Have you go. did it with intent? Oh
1: Have you got permission from the copyright?
0: I know you lot will forget in about ten minutes, so it's okay. Yeah. Some muttalen entice or motul park with Shabbos. One's allowed to put it up and take it down on Shabbos. So Rash explains the reason is because it's only a tefach; it's less than a tefak at the top, therefore it isn't considered an ayah. So normally there's a big problem of putting up a tent because you're creating an ayah. Here there's no problem because there's already, a, it's less than a tefach. therefore there's no problem in terms of spreading it out or taking it down. But what do we see from here? Even something which is designated for its place is in Muksa. So says the Gemara, so the, the argument between Rabbi Aykhan and Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish has nothing to do with Muqsa. baya b'shel khulyas So that we're talking about where the candelabra is made out of small parts put together. And therefore What's the concern? That people will rebuild it, And therefore nothing to do with muxa. What's the issue with the candelabra? If it falls oh, down... Can a craftsman do it? What can a layman do it? Well, it's essentially doing a... Even a layman is essentially just putting it together. That's a valid... It, there's just a difference
1: between... If only a craftsman can do it, then it's a big... Yes. Most laymen will tell you they're craftsmen. That's where you come in, Mark. sorting out the best options.
0: I have a that I'm a layman knows no am a layman. Yeah. No, but it seems it's something which people <laughs> could do. So, says the Gemara, my time is Shimon ben Lakish, the Shari. So, why would Reb Shimon ben Lakish say it's permitted? Because Reb Shimon ben Lakish says a small candelabra is permitted to move it. If the concern is, If it breaks, he would reconstruct it. Even Rabbi Shimon Ben-Lakar should agree, even the small candelabra should be forbidden. So says the Gemara, In other words, it doesn't mean it was literally made with small compartments or something which is made out of small pieces. It just resembles it. So it has... um, What's the word for it? grooves or or ridges in the candelabra? So it resembles. It looks like it's made out of pieces. So really, it's one solid piece. But the way the design was, they put some grooves or ridges on it. So it looks like it's made out of small pieces. So in which case, what's the point of argument? If it is made out of small if it is made out of small compartments, it would for sure be forbidden. Both large and small. There's the gezerah. So Nami um, gezerah However, if it's a large one where it has ridges, then it would be forbidden. Why? Because it's a gezerah about um, a large candelabra. So what's the point of makhlaikahs? In other words, what we're saying here, there's a gazera. That means if you are allowed to use, um, if you're allowed to move a small candelabra, then that might result in you using a candelabra which is made out of pieces. And it must be kolachadu gazera sort of sephara. So, when's the argument? Where it's talking about a small candelabra, where it's one piece, but resembles it looks like it's made out of different pieces. So, in other words, it says summarize we have an argument, Rabbi and Rabbi Ben Lakesh. Rabbi forbids moving a large and small candelabra. Rab Shimon Ben Lakish permits a small candelabra, he forbids a large one. So what's the point of arguments here? So everyone agrees, if it's a candelabra which is made out of pieces, it would for sure be forbidden, because a person might build it. The question is, if it's one piece, but it resembles, it looks like it's made out of small pieces. Then we have the argument, Sri says both a large candelabra and a small candelabra would be forbidden because if you permit this, you would permit a person to put together a large or small candelabra. Whereas Rav Shaman Ben-Lakesh says, only a large candelabra There's a gazera, small candelabras really weren't made in that way. And therefore there's no need for a gazera. So therefore the Gemara is saying the issue of the candelabra has nothing to do with muksa. It's to do with a separate case. And therefore, don't, stry, don't start trying to bring proofs from Rabbi Asi, who had a candelabra on his cloak and didn't remove it, because there it's fundamentally different. So ask the Gemara, Rabbi Does Rabbi Aykhanen say we don't hold off Mukzah? So, mishnah. The Allah follows Ustam Mishnah. And what, this is a quote which we had yesterday. So we're discussing, again, depends, argument Rashi ties but some form of transportation item. So Either it's some sort of wagon with wheels for people, or it's like it's a luggage container. So when it has wheels, we saw yesterday, if the wheels are detachable, so the wheels and the main body of the Kli are considered set completely separate and therefore were the wheel to come into contact with something Tumma, the main body of the Kli would be completely unaffected, and vice versa. And also he said, once the Kli contains a certain amount, there's no, it is a macabre Tumma. Once it could hold 40 Sar, there's no Tumma. So the wheels wouldn't be, wouldn't be counted together with the Kli in terms of measuring it. For no, Sorry? It's, it's to do with the uh, contain.
1: Yeah, if, if the cart is high, high up, that's the a- effect.
0: I think no. The, the, the limit is it has to be something in terms of what it could contain. Because the basis of the halakha is derived from sack. And sack is something. When
1: some- they're transporting the water or the ashes, then they're using an open cart, which is very, very high up. I don't know if it helps, but Steinsalt seems to suggest that the mukhni is the chassis. So there's the body of the car, a box. The box sits on a structure with wheels. And
0: he says the mukhni is the is the chassis bit, the, the, the structure with the wheels.
1: And that's why, I mean, that's logical. So the container, you only consider the container, you don't consider the, the, the thing that's carrying the container. Right, okay. The mukhni and the, and the, the had a mukhni. There's some kind of a a wheel mechanism to bring the water up and
0: down. Yeah, it's certainly some sort of, yeah. It's certainly some sort of wheel mechanism, like you said. So the question is, what's the relationship of the wheel to the actual main device? So you're saying it's, yeah, so you're saying it's... Yeah, the chassis of a car,
1: motor vehicle, is the frame holding the wheels, and then the body is built on top of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what Shatosh is suggesting is with the cart the cart's are um, the main bit that does the carrying is a sort of box that sits on top of this structure with the wheels okay. so when you consider its size as a tumma, you consider the box not
0: the wheels yeah I think. yeah no incidentally it's actually very interesting it's a big discussion there why would you even say the wheels what no does bus. the wheels contain oh, the bus go round the no no the question the is we're oh, saying, yeah. in order well, for The, clean... the,
1: the, the chassis is separate. That. The chassis is separate in a, a monocoque design. There is no chassis, and the wheels are on the box.
0: Oh ah, so Okay. So that would be the other case. Very good. That
1: would be the other case. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is that medical term? No, that's a car manufacturing term. I I come from Coventry. He's come from quite a few places. A lot, of pe- a lot of people have said there, by the way. All right, around, mostly Do- around the Midlands. I think man. we should ignore Doctor Glass.
0: Coventry. No, no it, was a, it was a, farm near Coventry. Is that right? Right, back to that learning, yeah. gentlemen. Okay, so the, in, so the, whatever the exact mechanisms of the halakh, it's more important for the Mishnah and Kalim but we're going to bring it for the halachas of Shabbos and you can't drag it on Shabbos in the case where it had money on it so says the Gemara which implies if it didn't have money on it now it's permitted for even though there was money on it so while, we, while we being meduyuk, we're being medoyak we're being medoyak the only problem is if it has money right now if it doesn't have money right now then it would be permitted even if it had money but the principle is anything which was muqsa remains muqsa the entire day if you hold like Rabbi Huda. so if you hold like Rabbi Huda, the is, anything that was Muqsa remains muksa the entire day in which case, how do you understand the Mishnah? you could move it you could move it in it, where, when it doesn't have money on, which implies if it did have money on it would be muksa. even if the sorry, if it didn't have money on it right now it would be permitted, So start again it implies the only problem in the Mishnah is where there's money on it, where there's no money on it, even if there would have been money on it, it would be permitted. Now, if Rabbi Aykanen holds off Rabbi Huda, it would be muqsa, because anything which was muqsa remains muqsa the entire day. And but Rabbi Aikman also says, that lakh is like this Sam Mishnah, which seems to indicate we're more lenient with muqsa. So we'll have to understand the Mishnah in Kalim. When it says there was, when it said when we understand the halachas about money, it means there was no money on it when Bain came in. Then you could move it. But if there were money on it when Bain Hashmashas came in, Einach would be forbidden. Did
1: they take a bet?
0: Yeah. So Amrabi Show Ben Lady Pamakash Rebin Lidiusra to a place. For Harubinara Kareb Shimon Bene. So he gave two well, this is the question. He gave a psaq with a minara like Reb Shimon with a candle. I didn't I said that without commas. So the question is where do we put the commas? Iba Lohu. So Hara Ben. um in other words, is he saying that the menorah would be permitted the same way as Reb Shimon permits a lamp, and therefore, just like a lamp is permitted, also menorah would be permitted, and therefore, he was passing even the menorah would be permitted to move. Idilma Hora Beminora Le Isura or Krib Shimon ben Lehetera Or do you put the comma there's two separate cases Hura Bemenura He gave a psak with Minora to forbid it but Kureb Shimon ben Lehtera. However, in regards to regular lamp, it was a heter. And therefore it's very important where do we put the commas? Do we read it as one case? He pashand with a minorah, like Krebshiman holds with a lamp. In other words, the same as Shimon holds, a lamp is permitted. So to a menorah, this candelabra was permitted. Or maybe we put in the comma. He says, he Paskans with a menorah, is forbidden. But with a lamp, it's permitted like Shimon. So it says the Gemara take or we leave it as a question. So with Malkia, Ichla leBerav Simlei, Vatiltol Shalge, he moved the lamp. Vekpid Reb Simlei. And Reb Simlei, he was Makpid on it. He said you shouldn't have moved it. Um Vik Yossi Reb Chanina. So Rebavok, Ichla leAsre. Sorry, my bad. So Reb Yossi Galila, Ikla leAsre Reb Yossi Reb Chanina. So Galila, he would visit the Tanah of Yossi with Reb Tal He again he moved a lamp. For and again rabbiyasi Rebchanina agreed. So la have a metal So shraga. So he would go into the town of rabbi ben levi. He would move a lamp. have a When he went to the town of rabbiyachanin. He wouldn't move the lamp. Sreb Abo he had conflicting customs. When he went to one place, he wouldn't move a lamp. When he went to another place, he wouldn't. Samanavshaf, Huda, If he holds like Huda that, that we hold of Moksha, be consistent. Don't move the lamp. Ikreb Shimon krib If he holds like reb hold Shimon, like always hold like Shimon and move it. So what's this business? In some cases, he wouldn't move it, some cases he would. If you hold off muksa, don't move it at all. If you don't hold off Muqsa, then move it. It's where you are. Well, in other words, his personal suck. What was his personal opinion?
1: <coughs> but if you're in if you, if public, it's on the of the
0: Yeah, very good. That's what the Gemara is going to answer. Very good. So the oil lamp severely. So really, holds that like cribs Shimon that lenient with milkza. However, with Shmukhavida Rabbi Yechon and Hoda have a avod. Because Rabbi Aykhanen passed and like Rabbi huda therefore because of the kavda of Rabbi Yechon as Michael pointed out, he didn't move it. Mm-hmm. So Amar Rabbi Hoda, shagadim mishra shayl toltula. If you have an oil lamp, then it's permitted to move it. However, the nafta asa litatula, if it's a nafat lamp which is some sort of very smelly fluid, then it's forbidden to move it, because there's nothing you could do with it. However, Rabav Rabyasaf to Amitrave, the nafta Nami Shai Latula, to Haiva Lichas even the lamp which was used for this nafta which is very smelly, could be moved because you could cover it you could cover a clea, which we're going to see there's a question if we garish this so here the point is we're discussing muksa. yeah so that even according to Reb Shimon who doesn't hold off mius, here he would agree there's nothing you could do with it because if this lamp isn't being used it's so smelly there's nothing you could be used whereas another viewpoint says no even though it's smelly it could still be used to cover a cleat have so he it's a funny case. So he went to rava and he put his he had muddy shoes and a came to rava he put it on the bed in front of Rava and Rava wasn't happy with him coming in with muddy shoes and putting it on his bed So rava by let say it rava was a bit upset and therefore. He wanted to test it. So, Why do they hold even a lamp made out of neph, used with nephet, is permitted to move it? So, Amale, So, even though it's smelly and you can't put anything inside the lamp, but you could use it to cover it. And therefore, there is a use. So in which case, Ella Mayata. So Rav says, you're saying this for really this lamp, I can't put anything inside this lamp. Why? It's used for nefet oil, it's disgusting. But you're saying I could still have some sort of function because I could use it to cover a vessel. I have a cup left over, left open, I could cover it with this lamp. I can't put anything inside the lamp, but I could use it to cover. So you're saying, the moment you say a svara, that something could, which could be used to cover something, all of a sudden isn't muqsa. All the rocks in the khatsah, you should be able to move it. So a rocks or something is a completely different function of muksa. Everyone agrees rocks are muksa. So the question is, if you hold, that anything which could be used to cover a kli won't be muksa. then where do all the halachas of muksa in regards to rocks go? Rocks are all... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Rocks are always muksa. So the question is, why are rocks muksa? The moment you use a svarak as you use something to cover a kli, then it should no longer be muksa. So says the Gemara there's a big difference. So the Gemara says there's a big difference between a lamp and a rock. Because a lamp is a kli. It's used for It's used for this nephet Right now I can't use it to put something inside, but it has a state of a kli. And therefore if I could cover it with something, it wouldn't be muksa. Whereas when it comes to the rocks, it has no state of a kli. And therefore, even though I can use it, maybe, unless it's set aside and designated as a big discussion how you use the rocks, it would be much so. And <laughs> theref-
1: me, these are, these are non-Kinuach rocks.
0: Right, yeah, very good. So, Milay Tanya. So, we in the later Perrochim Hasherim vanizanim buys. So, there's a big discussion with certain types of jewellery there's always a concern if a woman would go out with her jewellery, she might take it off to show someone. So imagine she's walking, she bumps into a friend. Her friend says, look, you've got lovely earrings. Here, let me show you. Takes it off and shows it to her. and Then moves in the rishus Saragat. So there's many cases where we put a Gezerah on moving jewellery. And the extension is even into a rishus Sayachid. According to some views, because within a rishus Sayachid, we still put in the gazera, even though moving in the Rishosayach, there's no problem. Nevertheless, there's no concept of muksa. So that I can't carry it, they aren't muksa. So, Ma'tam, Hayofi'ikah Torres Klealeha. Because it has a state Safakli, therefore I can move it. So, Haqanami, Hayofi'ikah So, also here, because there's a state Safakli, I'm allowed to move it. So, so bless is HaKadosh Baruch Hu where he didn't allow Rava to embarrass Avia avya So avya he was able to use the Svara, that the Nefet lamp, won't be Muqsa because it could be used for covering a vessel. And he also was able to refute Rava's question, in which case, why would stones be Muqsa? Surely you could use stones to cover a vessel. And on that we said, because... Stones aunt kalim. The difference between something being a cle or not a cle. So, Romile Abai, Abai So, Tanya, Shabakara So, say someone had lit a lamp. The lamp went out and left over oil. So, can I use that oil? So, according to the come according to Rabbi Yehudah, it's forbidden. For Rabbi matter whether Rabbi permits it. Hamal and therefore Reb Shimon he disregards Muksa. So have leftover oil from the lamp, Yehuda forbids it, Reb Shimon permits it. So So this we need to cast our mind back to Becharis. So Becharis, the, the discussion is you give your Bechar to the kohen, it has to be offered up as a carbon. If it picks up a blemish, then you could shecht it, the coin could use it for his personal use. So, what happens on Yom Tov? This is a big discussion in Beitzo. What happens on Yom Tuf, That you have this animal which was a Bechar and it has a blemish. Can I use it on Yom Tuf? And there's a big halakha when it comes to a blemish. There's a big discussion if a kohen could give his own personal psaq, or does he have to give it to a chacham to be maturate? Because it's a, it will give the kohen a tremendous amount of convenience for it to have a blemish, because then he could use it. Sometimes you
1: have a kohen and a kohen in one. Right, uh, Yitz? Yes. Yeah. It's not with this, is it?
0: Yeah, so according to reb shimon reb shimon says if it didn't have a blemish before yom Tuff, then it isn't called something which is prepared and therefore what do we see from here we see according to reb shimon there's a bekhar it has it developed a blemish over yom Tuff. it's muksa. so what would be the difference between reb shimon who says the leftover oil from a lamp, and an animal which picked up a blemish. Surely they're both the same cases. They only became available during Yom Tuf. As long as the lamp was burning, the oil was muksa. Says Reb Shimon, the leftover oil, once the lamp goes out, is, isn't Muqsa. What about Bekhar? Bekhar develops a mum on Yom Tuf. Reb Shimon says it's Muksa. Why is that different to the Ayah? Says the Gemara, you can't compare the two. Hachiyaster, so Adam That when a person has lit a lamp, he's always aware his lamp is going to go out. Then there's always a possibility he could use the oil. Whereas Adam sapa Masa Mum. Does a person wait for his animal to pick up a mum? Who says this animal would even pick up a mum? It has to be a mum, which is kavua. If it picks up a temporary blemish, it still gets offered as a carbon. Who says you need a special mum expert to say this animal has a blemish? And therefore the Gemara says you can't compare the case of mum to the case of a lamp. Because in the case of a lamp a person knows his lamp is going to go out, he'll have the oil. In the case of the blemish, there's so many variables which have to take place. The animal has to pick up a blemish, it has to be a blemish which is kavua, and he also needs to find a chacham to say this mum is kavua, and therefore this isn't something which a person was thinking about when Yom Tav came in. And therefore even Reb Shimon would say this animal would be muksa. So most of Rami Ba'chama So say for a woman she made a nader to forbid something, and therefore for her it becomes Muqsa, because she can't do anything with it. So you can undo such a Neidah on Shabbos. So ask the Gemara... This is, this is her husband who would undo it, is that right? W- Let's see, yeah, let's see. So, Rashi said, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, In other words, who says that her husband would be, would start nullifying the Nader. So as Michael points out, it's the husband which undoes the Nader and therefore we should say the same problem. She's making a Nader to forbid cake She's not touching cake. We said, look, she's allowed to undo the nada on Shabbos. So we should say the same way we said with the Bukhar, who says all these cases would be available, who says a husband would undo the nada? Right? In other words it should be Muksa, even once the husband undoes it. So it says the could Kala deras. <laughs> Adas Bala so women are supposed to be good wives and therefore the presumption is her neidah is made in mind, if her husband agrees with it and therefore she knows her husband is going to get involved with it. So Toshima. So now we're discussing a case of a regular person's neda, which doesn't involve a husband because there's no husband to nullify it. So le le'nadorim shah Tzarech shabbos The Shabbos One could undo nedorim which is for of shabbos. On Shabbos. So ask the Gemara. We should say, who says there would be a Chacham available to undo it? The same as we said with Bechar. Who says there would be a Chacham available to certify this animal has a blemish? We should also say with Nadar. Who says you'll find someone to nullify the nader? So says the Gemara so The Gemara says you can't compare a regular Nehda. Um, so because we could undo a Nader with three regular people that's what we do on Erev Kippa, And therefore even if you don't find a p- person who's an expert one could still undo the nader with three people. And therefore the presumption is, look, even if you make a nida, you know fully well on Shabbos, if I, don't want, if I want to undo my nida, I'll go to three people. It doesn't require me having to find an expert. Whereas when it comes to blemishes, you need a specific expert on blemishes to certify it's a blemish. And therefore it's much harder to find a, a chacham to certify the mum has a blemish than it is to find someone to undo the nida. Sir so, Ramila parl Europeas. Me amur shimmen kofsa mutsulata la. Das rub if the lamp goes out it's permitted to move it. Kovsa ein like kovsa lai. It's only if it was extinguished it's permitted. As long as the lamp is still light still on fire it would be forbidden. Samay so, dilma bahate de la kovsa so why would Reb Shimon forbid you to move the lamp? Because when you're moving the lamp, you might put out the fire. So as the Gemara, Shamin an layli Reb Shimon, Do'ama dava she'ein amiskavim muta. Reb Shimon holds dava she'ena is permitted. So even if I were to move the lamp, and you're saying Reb Shimon is concerned, I shouldn't move a lamp while it's lit, because I might put out the fire, even if you were to put out the fire, so what? According to Reb Shimon, I'm allowed to do an action which might result in a malakha. Choritz, so, you can move a bench, a chair, a bed, a bench, as long as you don't intend to make a ditch. So says the Gemara, so kalheikh dehimechavin ikka isori daraisa kilaimechavin gaza reb Shimon. So the Gumara says whenever there's an issa darisa, then Reb Shimon would say Dava Shaina Miskavain would be forbidden. In other words, really Dava Shaina Miskavain according to Reb Shimon is permitted. Except he puts a ghzeydrab on it. If this melach which might inadvertently be done be a melach of Darisa, Reb Shimon would say it's forbidden. Um the Kalhe um Yeah. So Kalhech Tokhima Kavin Ikisura Daraissa, Kilaima Kavin Kazar Reb Shimon. Midrabanah. When you don't intend, Reb Shimon would make gazer midrabanah. Kolhecha dechimechaving ikadir sur midrabanah. Whenever you are mechaving, there would be an ised midrabanah. Kilai shor Reb Then Reb Shimon would say dava sheina miskaving is permitted. So we're saying a tremendous chiddush in dava sheina miskaving according to Reb Shimon. This is only the Havamina. We were saying dava sheina miskaving is always permitted according to Reb Shimon now we're saying no in a case where the Melacha being done is a Melacha Daraisa then although Reb Shimon holds davar Shaina Miskavin is permitted he puts in the Gezerah in place and therefore moving a lamp which involves a Melacha of putting out I'm not allowed to move it because even if I inadvertently put it out it's a Gezerah Drabana so ask the Gemara so Master of so let's just finish off. So Kusot, so someone who's selling clothing. So Mikron Kadakan. Then if there's sharpness, you're allowed to wear them Vaj Khama As long as you're not intending to get some um shade from the sun or some sheltering from the rain. So if I'm wearing the clothes of sharpness, not for the sake of getting benefit from the clothes, simply just to muddle the clothes, it's permitted. However, she'ayna miskaven. However, the people who were careful, they would put the clothes on the stick, they wouldn't wear it. So what do we see? This is a case of davar according to Reb Shimon, because he permits you to wear clothes, even though he isn't intending to benefit from it. Isrojit is ikah, here we're involving an issa d'rayas of sharpness. Nevertheless, what do we see according to Reb Shimon? When there's no intent, it's permitted. So says the Gemara Ella Amar Reb Nachman: "Ha Nach Le Shem oh. Ne Yes. Yeah. So Nach Le Nei Shem um, Ne La So this is the Svarof Bastes. So the svara of bhasis is whatever. In other words, if I have something muksa within a kli, that kli becomes subsidiary to the item of muksa, and therefore the reason why the lamp is forbidden to move when the, it's alight, not because I'm concerned I might put it out. Really, the svara is bhasis. The flame is muksa, and therefore the kli becomes subsidiary to the flame, and therefore it would be muksa. Okay, should we call it